0: Welcome to Quarantine Creatives. I'm Heath Rosella. How's everybody doing? Is it winter where you are yet? It is winter here, up in the Boston area. We had a snowstorm come through last Saturday, I guess. Dumped a good amount on me here. I would say four to five inches, maybe. Mostly has melted and turned into that weird icy snow now that's not fun to play in. But still looks pretty when you look out the window. And it's cold here at Snowden, New York, too. So winter is upon us. Hanukkah starts tonight. For those of you that celebrate, happy Hanukkah. Christmas will be here soon. And what better time to talk to Michael James Scott? So Michael is a Broadway star. He has been in so many different shows over the years, everything from Mamma Mia to Tarzan, Hair, Elf, The Book of Mormon, Something Rotten, And he has been starring as the genie in Disney's Aladdin for a couple of years now, actually. He originated the role of genie on the Australian version of the show and then has since played genie on Broadway. He's played genie in the West End. He has toured North America with Aladdin. And so we talk a lot about Aladdin. If you've listened to the show at all, you know that I'm a Disney fan. So I had a lot of questions about the show. I have not seen it yet. It is one of the regrets that I have, honestly, just live theater in general. I wish I'd seen more live theater, but I have the Disney credit card and they used to send me special offers. I feel like it was like two or three times a year to go down to New York and see Aladdin and it gets tough with two kids, you know, just getting away for a day like that to go see a show, but without live theater now, I miss it and it sounds like that would have been a good show to see, so I'm hoping to get down at some point when things reopen And see Michael as the genie. That'd be fun. So, of course, we talk a lot about Aladdin. We talk a lot about Broadway and the situation with Broadway right now. But Michael has this amazing new Christmas album out now. You can go stream it. It's called A Fierce Christmas. And it is just such a fun, bright album. It'll make you smile. It'll make you feel good. And it'll brighten up some of these dark days of winter. But we're also all trying to figure out replacements for live theater, live music, live performance, things like that. And Michael has a concert coming up on December 19th in Orlando at the Dr. Phillips Center. And it's actually going to be an outdoor concert that is supposed to be fully socially distanced and safe and the whole thing. It's part of the Front Yard Festival, and it's presented by Advent Health. So, you know, if they're a sponsor for it, it seems like they would have their health part together. I don't know. But it sounds interesting, so Michael's going to talk all about the plans for that, how the audience is going to be seated in a way that's safe, how the performers are going to be socially distanced, and it's a chance to hear some great live outdoor music. So for more information on that, go to Michael's website, michaeljamesscott.com. You can buy tickets on there, and you can read more details about the show December 19th at the Dr. Phillips Center in Orlando. But yeah, this album, A Fierce Christmas, it's something we need right now. So I was happy to talk to Michael. He put a smile on my face. And speaking of Disney and Orlando, he also worked at Walt Disney World for a while. So we talk about that experience. I will tell you, for those of you that aren't Parks fans, and I know I talk about the Parks a fair amount on this show, Michael refers to himself as a fur character. There's essentially two types of characters that you will meet in a Disney park. There are face characters For the most part, those are the princesses and a handful of other characters that can actually speak to you. It's a live actor. You see the actor's face. They can talk with you. They can interact with you. And then there are fur characters, and fur characters are pretty much any other character that you would see, and they don't talk. They speak purely in mime, and you don't know who the person is underneath the costume. So he talks about playing Tigger, Winnie the Pooh, Mickey Mouse, any character like that is considered a fur character, even characters that are human forms if they have a mask that obscures their face. So more than you ever wanted to know about meeting Disney characters. But uh, when Michael and I get into shorthand, there it is. So yeah, it's a fun conversation. It's a bright conversation. It's some positivity that I think we all need in these days ahead because the holidays are going to look different this year. At least I hope they are. I hope they are for you I hope you're thinking about being safe. We're seeing these spikes post-Thanksgiving, and it would be a shame if we saw these spikes again, you know, post-holiday celebration. So stay safe. Stay away from your family members. This is the one time ever that you have an excuse to to not see people. Zoom in, FaceTime in. We'll get through it. There's a vaccine on the horizon. We'll be there soon. All right, before the interview, I'm going to play a little bit of the single off Michael's Christmas album. This is Christmas Time is here, and you'll hear right away, it is upbeat, it is happy. So, a little bit of that song, and then the conversation. Here it is, my interview with Michael James Scott. So I want to start by just asking, you know, the general question, I guess, of how these last whatever it's been now, eight or nine months, this this kind of quarantine pandemic period has been for you.
1: It is obviously unprecedented. And I call 2020 the year of the pivot because it is, you know, (laughs) we are all, you know, pivoting, if you will, from what we do, uh, what what we normally do, this sort of idea of what normal was now in our new normal and so I'm taking it day by day it is unbelievable to see what has come out of this time and just see you know all of the new kinds of exploring new venues in terms of how to continue to stay creative and continue to stay active within the art form um, because it is it's real like you know we are out of work we are, are, are trying to figure out what, you know, we are, but I think it's, I'm still hopeful, but I am taking it day by day. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> I mean, I feel like, you know, I I come from the TV world. So for me, like, you know, TV is, is sort of back. I, I've just been doing this for the last couple of months, you know, I've been podcasting. I haven't been back on set or anything, but like for live theater, it is just a whole different ball game because, you know, you can't really do the shows without the audience there. Absolutely. That's exactly
1: right. And I mean, you know, I, I I work in TV and film as well, which is, you know, also, like you said, it's, a, it's an interesting thing because it's still happening, but that's also very different. You right. know, it's a brand new way of getting through. My husband is a film director. Okay. And so we are very much within that world as well. And so it's like these two worlds that look completely different right. and that have, you know, that have changed so much. but yet still worlds apart because the, the theater, you know, where the theater is about bringing people together, which right. is the exact opposite of what this pandemic is, wants us to do. Right. So uh, that that is, that's a whole other, that's a whole other thing.
0: Right. Well, I want to back up and just sort of ask, you know, what you were doing when the shutdown happened. You were in Aladdin on Broadway at that point, right?
1: Yes. I was playing a subtle, small role called the <laughs> genie in, um, <laughs> disney's aladdin on broadway yeah and it was you know it's a dream role it's a dream uh, job to be able to be a big kid and be someone who people are excited to get to see and waiting for and so i was i was playing the genie i had the incredible uh task of being able to to play the genie on Broadway. The day we shut down, I was actually shooting the Tamron Hall show, oh, yeah. um, shooting a performance of A Friend Like Me. We were literally, uh, we were about to walk onto set to do the number, uh, and Governor Cuomo was on the TV, you know, in the back of the green room uh, and discussing that, you know, we would be shutting down wow. and that Broadway would also be shutting down. So it was quite a dramatic uh, to say the least <laughs>
0: Yeah.
1: in that moment.
0: Did you still go out and you performed on Tamron Hall show, I assume, right? That that, that performance still went forward. We performed. The... Yeah.
1: Yes, we performed. Yes, we did. And the cool thing about it was that leave it to Disney, you know, Disney on Broadway to be the last word, yeah. you know, basically like we were like the last performance um, and it was televised nationally. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, like on that Friday, which is yeah. kind of crazy how it was, but it was kind of like, I was like, all right, y'all, I'll see you soon. And by soon, I mean nine months later. Right.
0: we still here. <laughs> yeah. And it keeps going. I mean, you know, it's, it looks like next, you know, next spring or summer at this point. Like, it's, you know, there's no end yeah. in sight for Broadway, certainly. Did you guys know, like, I've heard other people that were doing shows at that time, that last week starting to sort of feel audiences taper out and, you know, kind of feeling something in the air. Were you attuned to that at all? Or did you notice that at your stage? Absolutely,
1: we started noticing it. You know, we are very blessed with be- being a part of a Disney and Broadway show, and so in terms of the the audiences, you know, there were still uh, a good amount of people there. Uh, you know, the Aladdin audience—it's filled with a lot of the all ages in our audience. So it's not the lining audience. There's definitely like a good amount of of, of tourists and like kids,
2: yeah. you know,
1: in the audience. So it was a very interesting thing because they—I remember hearing that they really saw. You know, like they saw a change with that. Like a, a few days before it all coming down for us, I didn't. We didn't really notice it until like the Wednesday, probably shut down on that Thursday. Uh-huh. It was like at the matinee on that Wednesday okay. that I that we were kind of like Okay, you know, not as many people, and it, it was also that time spe- specifically in New York City where it was just so eerie right. and. um it was so scary and so unknown. Like we had no idea. I mean, we got on a plane. My husband and I got on a plane that night when on that Thursday to come to our place in LA, in L A. Uh-huh. So we were have been I've been in L A the whole time. Oh, wow. Since everything shut down. So, but it felt like it was just scary. Like we had no idea. You know, we didn't know the, the country was going to shut down. We didn't know if we were going to be able to get on an airplane to get out or anything. You right. know, it was just a very scary time.
0: Yeah, that's wild. And just like I can imagine that bizarre kind of panic of, as you say, just like watching Governor Cuomo on TV. And, and, you know, I, I sort of remember that feeling, too, of it went from this kind of abstract thing of, you know, two or three weeks earlier, kind of starting to say things like, you know, wash your hands more, don't shake hands with people. And then all of a sudden, it was like everything, just one after the other, you know, NBA and Broadway and then, you know, Disney World and just everything kind of shut down. And it was like, oh, I guess this is like really real.
1: Yes, absolutely. And then, you know, the idea of just sort of like the unknown of it, you know, where we were, like we know no one had any idea that this was what we were going to be experiencing, you know, and sort of the longevity of it, really.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's taken a long time for me just to get kind of in that in that psychological space of like, this is going to be a lot longer. You know, it, it's easy to prepare for, you know, a couple of weeks or a couple of months. But then, you know, when it starts getting to be four five, six months, it's like, oh, OK, it's a whole new, whole new mindset. Exactly. Yeah. I, I want to ask you on Aladdin, too. Just you not only did the role on Broadway, but you originated the role in Australia you you performed it in the West End. You've toured with it through North America. Like, what have those different experiences been like? Are there different audiences in different parts of the world, or like depending on where you are?
1: Oh my, yes, it's so crazy how different. You know, you go to a different place and you're and you and, and the energy of it, what it, what it, you know, what it is. But for me, the most incredible thing I find of Aladdin. You know how they say music is universal. Sure, Aladdin is basically like. I think it's a, a universal show, yeah. <laughs> like because you know it's an iconic brand. Yeah. You know, the, the, from the from the the original nineteen ninety two animated movie to this rebirth of it with this incredible, the Broadway spectacular that is the you know the Broadway version of Aladdin. The amazing thing is that it has an audience of, of so diverse. Uh, age and perspective. Like truly people are so, so, uh, they love it. They love it so much. And they, you know, they connect to it from their childhood and then they've introduced their kids to it. And now there are kids, you know, young people who are like, they're obsessed with it. Um, And then obviously when the live action movie came out, you know, so there's like this big, gorgeous, amazing Aladdin family worldwide that it's just kind of like i feel like it's like a universal show so the response you know that i got from every every country i was in every city i was in truly the energy felt the same it's kind of unbelievable
0: is there when you're doing like friend like me or something like that that's just you know it's kind of the marquee song of that show and it's just so high energy and you know that's that's your feature song certainly I could imagine, I guess, that it would almost be like being at a Beatles concert or something. Like, as you say, people are, you know, they've been fans of this music for 25 years or whatever. And like when that song starts, does the audience just do they go nuts for that?
1: Literally, it is like it is absolutely like being in, you know, like you are a rock star. It is (laughs) just it's so cool. People are waiting for that number. They're waiting to really, like, to sing along and be a part of it and, you know, really be immersed in the story. But it does feel like that it feels, you know, they also think you're a real genie as well. (laughs) So there is that, which is, which is really fun. Yeah. You know, there's really fun, but I do have to remind people that I'm not actually a real genie. I just play <laughs> one on TV, you know what I mean? Like
0: you can't grant like... wishes or anything. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right, right, right. Exactly. But it does feel like that. You know, I think people just love the idea of this entity that is the genie that, that is represents such, such light and such laughter and such heart. Yeah, And so, they really respond
2: to it.
0: Right. On that, though, that light, laughter, heart, like it it, it must be tough for you as a performer. I, w- I would think, I don't know, but doing eight shows a week, how hard is it to find that light every single performance? Do you, do you have to struggle with that? Or does it just sort of come like, you know, when the orchestras go in and stuff, you just, you get into it?
1: You know, with the genie, it's different. With other shows, you know, sometimes it could be harder to sort of, because the thing is, is, like as much of a dream as it is, it's also your job, sure. you know, and you become and you have to, you know, you are there. and You have to really you know, the audience doesn't care about the day you had. Right. <laughs> they don't, get, you know, they care about seeing the show right. and seeing, you know, this spectacular show. So what's interesting is for me is as the genie, it never gets dull because I actually get to talk to the audience. Like I, right away. And so I kind of break that wall. So each night is completely different. yeah. Um, And and the response, the response
0: from the audience,
1: that is such a cool gift to be able to have and to be able to, you know, to do.
0: Yeah. Do those, I I haven't seen the Broadway version, but I know like I've been on Disney cruises and stuff where they have the genie character in some of their shows. And and there's an Aladdin on one of the cruise ships, I guess, too. And a lot of times like the genie ends up cracking kind of you know, pop culture references and things like that. And I, I I haven't seen the show again, so I'm not sure how you handle it in the Broadway show, but like, some of those jokes that are direct to the audience, like do those change up ever or are are, are they sort of in the script? Well,
1: first of all, we got to get you to come and see the Broadway production. <laughs> when you guys are back, I'll got. be there. We got to get you to... and <laughs> you, you know the genie now, sir. So we got you. <laughs> yes. With that role, you know, there is a parameter of what you, you, you know, what you can do. And um, there is a script, but there's also a nice, lovely, trust that the team has given um, their genies in terms of letting them, you know, sometimes getting in certain things, but pretty much it's, it's pretty set, you uh-huh. know? Um, however, you get away with, you know, bringing in a couple of little things here <laughs> and there. <laughs> yeah.
0: I love that. I, I want to ask you too, and I'm sure you get this question all the time, but like, you know, the, the genie is such an iconic role from the animated film and like, you know Robin Williams just he he made that role and like I wonder you know for you do you have that in the back of your head at all or do you feel like the audience has that expectation at all of you or have you been able to figure out a way to to do something on your own that's that's separate from what Robin brought to it
1: well the the good news is that I you know the incredible creative team were incredibly um, helpful and and trust um, by letting me be me, uh-huh. they were in, in, from the very, very beginning. They uh, made it very clear that they wanted me to be me, and they really wanted me to to really bring Michael James Scott to all of it. So I, uh, you know, I I had to really get the Robin Williams, any any of that. That really for me was. I never watched any of the movies again. Like it wasn't, you know, for me, I really wanted to get that out of, the, out of my, my ether. Yeah. The, the foundation of the brilliance that is Robin Williams and that was Robin Williams is all still there. It's now Michael's version. Right. <laughs> it's, Michael's, it's Michael's take, you know? And so I'm grateful for the genius of Robin Williams and the, it, the foundation of, of it still being there. And yes, there is some, you know, there is definitely some pressure to um, feel like you have to live up to a certain thing. But once you get that out of your head and you trust the work that you've done and, you know, the team has allowed you to be you with this, that is when you soar, you know, that's when you can, you get to do it and then you just, you just get to play.
0: Yeah. And I would assume, you know, any of that pressure probably evaporates within a couple of days i would think right like sort of once once you're in it and, and once you realize that your voice is respected and your perspective is respected it's like okay i can do this exactly once you really you know once you get into once you get in, in into it and truly once you believe
1: in the thing that you have the magic that you're bringing to it um and you trust that and you have faith in that that is i mean that in itself is like is a major, major,
0: huge treat, yes.
1: <laughs> and, you know, and, and 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 an incredible asset for you.
0: That's awesome. I want to ask you, too, sort of on the point of of other genies, have you seen the live-action version? And, you know, that, that version came out after the Broadway version had already been running for a number of years. Like, if you've seen it, what did you think of Will Smith's interpretation of the character?
1: Yeah, I did get to see it. I mean, I got to see a, uh, you know, it was really cool to get to see a special, a screening of it and but mm-hmm. the, the thing that i will say is like I've, I've welcomed new members into this big beautiful aladdin family universe and it was so exciting to uh, to get to see the the things that you could do in you you know you're in tv um the things that you could do on camera that you can't do in in the theater. And that was really exciting to get to see, um, and just, you know, um, their interpretation of it. And I thought Wilson did his thing, you know, (laughs) he did his thing. It was like, I'm like, all right, yes, do your thing. I thought it was fun and I, and I had a great time with it.
0: That's awesome. I want to ask too, just, you know, you, you've done a number of Broadway shows, you know, everything from Book of Mormon and Elf to, you know, Tarzan and Aladdin. Is there like working for Disney on Broadway? Is that different than working in other shows? And if it is, in what way? I do
1: think there's actually a difference to it. The Disney brand is something that is held in such high regard in the world, you know? And so there's a a pre-existing brand that the company has to live up to. Right. And they do. And you know, the head of Disney theatrical Tom Schumacher, you know, it starts at the top. And Tom is really someone who champions uh, all of the things. Just the level of what you expect for a Disney production, that is what it's what it is. And and that is how it is on Disney on Broadway as well. They are in a league of their own. Mm-hmm. They are truly in their own league. And so um so yeah it is a, it is there's a different feeling with them for sure.
0: Does it feel more I don't know professional's not quite the right word but just almost almost buttoned down in a way like they they have their stuff together and like you get in there and and you know it's not it's not a bunch of people scratching their heads that that's the impression i get from afar that you know that they know what they're doing when you get in there.
1: And yes yes you never have to worry never ever about anything right. like everything will be will be taken care of, you know, like it's all, it'll all be taken care of (laughs) for
2: sure.
0: I want to ask, you know, we were talking before about creativity during this time and just, you know, figuring out new outlets. You've got this Christmas album that just came out, A Fierce Christmas. And I mean, I guess I want to start by just asking why a Christmas album and why this year in particular?
1: Oh my gosh. Well, why not? (laughs) Because good Lord, We need it. People practice their Emmy and Oscar speeches, you know, when they're little. I've been practicing my holiday album since I was (laughs) late. Okay, like that is what is up. You know, this time, as we know, has been so scary. It's been unprecedented. It's been very, very um, just unknown. And there's also a racial awakening There is, you know, we're still fighting for equality and inclusivity, Um, and meanwhile, we're in the middle of a pandemic. And so, for me, this was my protest, my protest of joy. That's what I'm protesting. I wanted to show a different uh, chocolate face that was uh, not afraid to smile. You know, I wanted to show different uh, chocolate face that a different face. normally than you, what you see in the news. Yeah. Uh, and uh, somebody who isn't afraid to be authentically himself, um, who looks like me
2: yeah.
1: and who can bring joy. I wanted you to, wanted you to smile just from hearing the title. Right. That for me <laughs> was really, really important. And I, and so that's what I did. I know that, you know, in this divided time, I mean, our country is so divided, but I can, I tell you this, one thing that I know can bring People Together is fierce holiday
0: music. Yeah. <laughs> and it does. And I mean, you know, that, like, all of the songs, they're really upbeat. They're really, you know, there's just kind of a, a sunshine to them almost. You know, they they make me smile as I listen to them. But, like, when I think about them, I think about the original versions, I guess, as recorded. You know, Christmas Time is Here from Charlie Brown. Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas uh, that Judy Garland originally sang. Yes. I'll Be Home for Christmas. Like, a lot of those songs... They're downers in the original versions. They're kind of sad, melancholy songs. Like, I wonder if there was if that was a deliberate choice on your part to choose kind of the sadder Christmas carols and figure out a way to cover them in a in a bright way.
1: Yes, I definitely wanted to 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 do that. It is interesting because song, songs do have this sort of they have a lot of a little bit of a down kind of a a thing. But I know that. For me, I knew that if I brought my thing to them, if I brought the Broadway, the big band, the gospel, the funk, yeah. that was the only way I knew how to bring joy into it. Right. And so I wanted to turn these songs upside down. I'm no, Listen, I'm no stranger to taking on challenges and stepping into big shoes. Right. Right? I did it with the genie. Yeah. And so I'm like... Here we go. Let's do this and let's make it, you know, exciting and let's make it joyful right. and make these songs full of life right now. Like, let's make it, let's make it so that you feel like you have a big old Christmas hug when yeah. you listen to them.
0: No, I got that impression totally. And But, it, but it's interesting too, just like you could have done like the Mariah Carey song or something, you know, like something that's sort of naturally upbeat and it's just sort of, you know, bubbly on its own, but you didn't go that route. And I just, I don't know. To me, that was just no. such an interesting choice.
1: Yeah. And I, well, because, because i really wanted to pay tribute to the classics, yep. Um, it was important for me to pay pay tribute to the classics. But what I knew about that is that while I wanted to pay tribute to the classics, I also knew that I know what I like to hear. And I like this, you know, it's every, you know, there's so many Christmas albums and holiday albums and, and, and all, you know, all the things, But what inspires me, what gets me um, excited is like when you get to bring a new new approach, when you can bring basically an unapologetically authentic take on something and you are just not apologizing for, you know, who you are. And for me, I'm just not apologizing for the fact that I want to spread joy. Like that is it. So let me go. I'm going to honor while honoring the classics.
0: Yeah, no, totally. And especially like I'll Be Home for Christmas, I love, just because it starts off as very gospel. And (laughs) I think think you literally say like, let's go to church or I'm taking you to church or something at the beginning of it. And then, (laughs) but then it goes very funk. Like it almost turns like James Brown, you know, very soon after that intro. Like, I'm just curious, I guess, sort of your musical influences, as you say, like the songs you like to listen to, like what are, what are some of your favorite artists or genres?
1: Oh, I grew up in a home where, like, you know, well, I grew up in the church. Uh-huh. You know, I sang in church. So yeah. there was that. I mean, really, gospel music was my first, really, foundation in terms of— I mean, my first solo was sung in church. Okay. And we really going, you know, old school with it, right? <laughs> um, so there's that. But then, like, when I grew up, you know, we were playing— they were playing the Temptations, you know Jackson Five, yep. um, and then I love the old school cats like the Bing Crosby's and like, and then you know we go into to of course you know we get to Mariah Carey and Beyonce and John Legend and all that. And so for me it was about and of course James Brown, yep. you know. So it was about bringing all of that in there. My favorite, op, please come on, the Jackson 5 Christmas album, A Temptation <laughs> Christmas. Yep. Um, you know, Donnie Hathaway, This Christmas. You come on now. That is like, that is it. And so I wanted to, I wanted to play with all of that. I wanted to, to really go back to me, to my childhood and just sort of like my, the idea of just sitting and listening to like really good music.
0: Yeah. Well it's funny because like it I feel like a lot of people, a lot of artists that do a Christmas album, they they try to change it too much almost, you know, that they, they try to put too much of their spin on it. And this feels very classical in a way. Like it, it it if you played this album for me and told me it was from the 70s, I would believe it, you know? <laughs> like it's contemporary too, mm. but it's just like it just feels yeah. like something that's sort of always been there and sort of always been part of the consciousness if that makes sense which i love it just it feels like an instant classic I guess, oh what i what love that
1: that is a beautifully amazing uh incredible uh, compliment and i am thankful that it, that it feels like that because that is for me it was a, it, i wanted it to feel timeless yeah. i wanted it to do the feel that timelessness but you know but also that it was like fresh yeah. so that was that, you know, which is a talent, but that was, that was the, that was the goal.
0: Yeah. No, I, I think you hit it. Definitely. And timeless. That's, that's the word I'm looking for. That's the that's the perfect way to say it. Um, I, I want to ask too about recording during the pandemic. Cause this album, you cut this all like over the summer, right? This wasn't, this isn't something that was done a while ago. Like what did, what did that look like being in a studio right now? <laughs> Just sort of the safety protocols and things like that.
1: Well, get this. It wasn't even, the crazy thing is that it wasn't even over the summer. This was like, Uh, basically in October. Oh, wow.
0: Okay.
1: (laughs) I mean, it was insane. And truly, my husband was like, we got to do this. Yeah. And so he... You know, as we were talking about all the things and just this idea of joy and, and, and everything and just, like, what I could do, he has a good friend of his who has a record label down in Orlando, Florida, about my hometown, and they partnered with me. And they were they were like, yes, please, let's do something. They hooked me up with an incredible music producer. His name is Chet Gass. That record label is called Scratch 17. They, I mean, when I tell you they, like, They hooked it up like they were. It was incredible. And for me, it was really important that uh, I had my Broadway influences. So my single Christmas time is here was arranged by a brilliant musician named Jim Abbott, who was like a New York, you know, Broadway musical genius. And there are. There, it's filled with Broadway musicians who all p- played it remotely. So oh, wow. I recorded the album down in Orlando. Uh-huh. They recorded, you know, instruments remotely, uh, and in Orlando we have the musicians also recording basically one by one in the studio, uh, and then they put it all together. I mean, it's it's so oh, wow. it was like it was insane how it all came together like that
0: how do you even work that like just like the timing is like is everyone just like on a metronome at home or like are you able to you know like when you did the vocals did they did they have the, ins- the instrumentation together at that point the, instruments,
1: the instrumentation was done by that point and okay. so i was actually able to be in like another room with a, with a studio with uh, an engineer mm-hmm. like uh, you know so we were obviously all the safety protocols and everything has to be adhered to. And so it was, you know, to say the least interesting, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's unbelievable what happens, you know, when you can zoom in right. or you can just like, you know, virtually come in and there you have it. You're in a, a full on session with, you know, um, artists from, from all over.
0: That's wild. That's so cool. Yeah. It's amazing. As you were saying at the beginning, just sort of how technology has changed all of this, and we've been able to figure things out in in really creative ways. Uh, I want to ask you, too, about you're doing a a concert version of this album, right? Like in Orlando this month. Tell me about sort of what that's going to look like, because that seems like, you know, concerts feel like they have have gone by the wayside during this time as well.
1: My hometown of Orlando, Florida, the big performing arts center there, Dr. Phillips Center. It's unbelievable what they did. They got funding and got the whole thing to make this, they call it the Front Yard Festival. And they built an outdoor theater. Like it's truly one of a kind it's like so there's like these socially distant boxes that are like these pods that that's where you that's how that where the audience they're in these boxes that are like socially distant from each other wow. the stage is like 56 feet long like it's huge so you know uh, we will everybody is socially distant it's like a whole thing you it's very it's you know it was it's presented by avid health so it's like extremely <laughs> they are being you know it's, right. it's unbelievable what they've been able to do and now you know, other performing arts centers are are trying to follow suit. They are trying to do it because this is going to be up for six months. So I am actually one of the headlining um, acts for this. And I'm a hometown boy coming back, which I'm so excited. And I get to be on stage for the first time since Broadway went down. Um, And I am doing my holiday concert outside um, this big outdoor concert event with a 16-person community choir three backup singers and nine person band all socially distant wow. and me and lots of costume
2: changes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's great.
2: <laughs>
0: oh, that sounds like such a good time. And yeah, it's, it's, it's about adaptation, right? Just trying to figure out how you make it work safely during this time. Um, I want to ask one last question That's sort of being an Orlando native, you know, I, I am a big uh, Disney fan, the, the Disney parks in particular, and I heard in an interview, you grew up working in the parks. Is that right?
1: Yes. So I I was a fur character. I was Tigger. Oh, cool. I was a bunch of different, the queen of hearts. <laughs> really?
0: Oh, right. Because that's a, yeah, it's, I a, did. it's a head, right?
1: Yes, yes. Yes. I danced in the parades. I worked in entertainment at in the parks growing oh, cool. up and have lots of friends there. And so, you know, Disney is it a full circle moment for me to be able to be have dreams of Broadway, being the little theater nerd that I was and, right. and working at Disney and then being able to, you know, make that happen where I got to. Be you know the genie on Broadway, right. and so it means so much to be able to get to go back home and just knowing, especially with the you know how hard it's been with the within the theme park industry and the layoffs and things like that within it. Like it's a, it's ha- it's been hard on Orlando. It's right. been really hard. So the idea to be able to come back and bring community you know, bring the community together, um, you know, the crew and all, you know, the actual performers on stage and musicians and making it all local is extremely important. And I'm so proud to be able to do that.
0: For sure. That's awesome. Um, can I ask like, what are some of the craziest things that happened for you as a character? Like just crazy guest interactions or, you know, anything like that? Any stories oh my you can gosh.
1: Show? I'm trying to think. I think once as the queen of hearts, when I like came to a thing, like, there was like, I, I, this, like this guy had such a weird, crazy, I don't I don't know, like obsession with the Queen of Hearts. Oh, really? And like would not like wouldn't go. Like wouldn't so the <laughs> greeters had to be like, it's time to go. And he was like, No, I'm like, I wanna like chill with with her. I wanna chill. I'm like, you do realize this is just a character. <laughs> <for her?" laughs>
0: That's wild. <laughs>
1: but it was a very interesting Interesting moment, to say the least. (laughs) But, you know, what's what's fun is that people are, you know, I love the energy because people are so, they love, they have their favorites and they just get into it, you know?
0: I'm sure. How hard is it to like see or hear in those costumes? Like, are you, are you kind of oblivious to what's going on around you or? It's,
1: it depends. Some, some are harder than others. Yeah. You know, some of them like the head, like where it is, like it, it's much harder than others. And, but they do an amazing job of, you know, making you feel comfortable and all, and all the things, but man, it's definitely not, it's it's hard in the you know, middle of summer in Orlando, Florida, like <laughs> June and July you know, in a fur costume.
0: I'm sure it's, uh, it's probably much better being on the stage at the new Amsterdam or something like that. Right.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: Yes. Well, Michael, thank you so much for your time. I I really enjoyed talking to you. And uh, like I said, I I really enjoyed the Christmas album. It's definitely, uh, it's the light that I think we all kind of need right now. This is going to be a tough holiday season, but uh, I'm glad you're (laughs) glad you're adding some joy to it. That's
1: very kind. Thank you for your beautiful, kind words. And so so happy that you enjoyed it. Um, I'm wishing you and your family and everyone, uh, you know, a, a, a faith, happy holidays. You know, keep laughing, keep loving, keep light, keep the light in you. Um, and, you know, stay hopeful because I do think, it, you know, it's going to get it's, it is going to get better. Uh, we just, you know, we still got a little ways, ways to go, but stay in the light. Stay in the light.
0: All right. There we go. Michael James Scott. Ugh, he was great, right? Positive. Made me smile. I was I was smiling, I was giggling the whole interview, and I got to geek out about cool things. Aladdin, the parks, and Christmas music. What could be better? Go stream Michael's album now. It's called A Fierce Christmas. It's on all the streaming platforms. And if you're in the Orlando area, check out Michael's concert december nineteenth at the Dr. Phillips Center, part of the Front Yard Festival presented by Advent Health. Go to michaeljamesscott.com for more information. And while we're talking about named websites, my website is heathrasella.com. I have a newsletter that goes out every Sunday. This Sunday's edition will feature a recap of this interview with Michael, as well as my interview on Monday with Maria Hinojosa. It will not only have quotes from the interview, but additional reading, additional videos, all sorts of fun stuff if you want to learn more about either of those interviews, my interview today with Michael, or Monday's with Maria, if you haven't heard it yet. Sign up for the newsletter, heathrosella.com, and her email address. I have new shows every Monday and Thursday. I will be back next Monday. I'm talking to Erin Carmon, who is a New York Magazine correspondent. She most famously co-authored the biography of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, The Notorious RBG. That book is has been very popular after Justice Ginsburg's death. And if you haven't read it yet, I really suggest you go check it out. She was also a central figure in the Me Too movement, helping break the accusations against Charlie Rose for the Washington Post. And she's been reporting on women's issues and lots of other things for a long time with NBC, with MSNBC, now with New York Magazine. So it's going to be a fun conversation. And actually, Arun was supposed to be here back in the early days of the show. We were originally going to talk back in June and she ended up having a baby the day that we were scheduled to talk. But we were able to reschedule here in December once her maternity leave had ended. And it actually gave us a really great excuse to talk about maternity issues and just parenting and all that. So a fun conversation coming up on Monday with Arin Carmon. Make sure you hit subscribe and you'll be one of the first people to get that in your feed. And as always, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Heath Rosella. I look forward to talking to you guys on Monday. Stay safe. Have a great weekend. Hang in there, guys.